Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. So grateful that you're tuning in each and every week. Really appreciate it. Today, we've got another great guest for you. His name is Gary Guyman, and I'm really excited about this discussion with Gary. Serial entrepreneur, has a great W-2 prison break story, has had some challenges in his life and that he's overcome and has just really, really fought the fight, fought a great fight. And he's a serial entrepreneur. He's a speaker. He's a podcaster and he's a business growth expert. He started, he's owned multiple businesses and he's currently the CEO founder of DMNA Partners in Covington, Kentucky. This is just going to be a tremendous discussion. Gary's a great guy. You're going to learn a lot from him today. So let's not delay it another moment. Gary, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Looking forward to speaking with you today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Let's make an impact on somebody's life today. Yeah, I love it. We were talking a little bit offline before we started recording and really got a sense for what your passion is. And you know, you're doing a lot of great things in your business, helping a lot of people. And before we get into that, I just want to go back. You know, everyone loves to hear the W2 prison break story. So if you could give us a little bit of backdrop into your W2 world and what you were doing and how you were able to get out of that. And then we'll dive into, you know, what you're doing now. Sure. I actually did it twice. I'm going to be 50 in October. So I have a ton of life experience and work experience. So the first break was in, I was 22. I had just graduated college, was in a management training program for a pretty large bank and was really good at the opening process related to accounts and loans and that type of thing. And a lot of people that I met in that company were leaving and they were going into this new world called mortgage brokering. Yes. Mid 1990s. And so I'm watching them as they go, and I'm getting paid what I thought was really great money at the time. I think it was mid 30s base, and I was going to you know, make almost 40 grand. And I mean, you know, mid 90s, young 22, 23 year old kid, like, you know, I grew up poor to where my parents were lucky to make 200 bucks a week. So, you know, mama, I'm living the dream. But then I'm watching these guys leave, and all of a sudden they start driving BMWs, just going on vacation. So I'm reaching out to them, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's going on? They basically had taken the skills they had learned at the bank and they went to a mortgage broker and started making some real money. So I watched that for about six months and talked to enough people to know if they can do it, I can do it. But I didn't realize that I was going to go from having this base salary to I had to kill what I ate, straight commission, right? Mm. I felt I was really good at sales. I just had never went to that part of it to where I had to perform to get a paycheck. So it was a lot of back and forth in my mind and people around me, like bad move, you know? And I just 
made the decision, like, if I'm going to break out of this cycle of poverty that's in my family, I got to do something different. Made that change. And I got lucky and met someone who kind of gave me the playbook for success. And here's what he told me. (laughs) He said, if you'll try to outwork everybody else around you on a daily basis, you'll win at this game. But if you sit back one time after you've won one day and celebrate, you're going to lose this game. So the message to me was every day, go beat my previous day's effort. And so I did things that nobody else was doing. Like I'd go to the courthouse and write down every person that had a loan with high interest rate finance companies. And we had about four or five courthouses within, you know, a 30 minute drive. And I spend two hours a day at the courthouse. And then I'd go and I'd find the phone book. And for anybody listening under 30, like we didn't have Google. We had a book where everybody's names and numbers were. I'd go to the phone book and I'd look these people up. And I'd find probably 70, 80% of them. So 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. was my research. And then from 3 to 7 or 8 o'clock, I would call until I had five applications. Five people that had given me all their information, you know, everything about their financial status, And I would just work my butt off to make sure I was going to be successful. My first month, my income, not my closings, but my income was almost $8,000. Nice. But it was all because I worked. And I can remember like the first 90 days, I was hitting about that eight, $9,000 cap. And I did what he told me not to do on the fourth month. I celebrated. And I went from having an eight to $9,000 month to a $2,000 month. Which remember, I mean, I was only making 35K a year before that. So it wasn't like a big, big hit, but I was all of a sudden used to this eight to nine K and I got hit with this 2K. And I had a conversation with myself that I can never let that happen again. And the only way that I keep that from happening again is I I can't stop working. And so I followed that mantra pretty much since then throughout my life. There's definitely been hiccups and roller coasters and things like that, but always try to do what you did the day before and do a little bit better. That's played off pretty well. So fast forward, 2007 happens. Mm -hmm. I'd started a mortgage company about two years after making that switch. So I was in business for myself. I had 30, 40 loan officers. I developed a huge telemarketing operation. We were focused on refinances. And everybody that I listened to in the industry was like, you should get license federally, get the FHA, VA, get that licensing, and you should focus on purchases. And I hated those ideas. And so I didn't do it. Hmm. 2007 hit it. If I would have done those things, I wouldn't have had to have closed the business. But I didn't do those things because it wasn't aligned with what I was trying to accomplish. And so, you know, at 35, 36 years old, I got to face what was everyone's fear when they go into business. You fail, right? Yeah. And it was tough. So I ended up, I didn't do anything for about eight months. I had enough money to where I could survive for about a year, but it started getting real close to that year. And, you know, job prospects at that time were really, really slim. And I was doing everything I could to find a job. And I ended up hooking up with a company or consulting company that consulted mortgage companies, banks, credit unions on expenses and processes. And I became their national sales manager. I can remember in 2009 having this conversation with myself because of that pain that I felt, that sting that happened when I closed that business. Like, I'm never going to do that again. That was the worst thing that I thought I'd ever been through in my life. Like, I'm never going to do that again. Suffered some depression, 
and I don't mean like I'd wake up and I feel bad. No, like it was serious depression related to what I thought my purpose was and what I was trying to accept as being my future purpose. I did really well at that company. I was making close to 150K a year in total compensation, but I was sacrificing the things that I was passionate about, the things that I wanted to achieve. And so I got in my head, in my mind, like in 2009, I made this determination because I coached high school basketball as a paraprofessional. I made this decision, like when I turned 50, I'm going to go teach and coach basketball. That's going to be my life. I would still get to impact and change people's lives. Mm. It just wasn't going to be on a level that I had been doing it and I was successful at. And so I kind of like, I didn't kind of, I accepted that. Started really feeling depressed and really feeling the weight of that. I can remember, so the owner of the company we worked with, he was primarily an absentee owner, pretty successful company, 70 or so employees. And there was about 10 people on the director level. And at the end of each month, he would have this party at his house and all the directors had to go and he would invite all of his friends over. And all of us directors were kind of like show ponies to him and, you know, show us off to all of his friends. I went one time and I'm sitting there at his house and I had this thing come over me that was like, are you okay with building somebody else's dream or do you want to build your dream? And I can remember it took me about a year, but I shook that funk off. About a year later, fast forward to 2012, I traveled a lot with this company. I'm driving in West Texas, which if you've ever been to West Texas, there's not a lot except for ever-changing weather. And I was having this conversation with somebody about this. Like, I feel like I went through every weather in a three-hour drive except for snow. But my brother calls me. He was a firefighter notorious for not making enough money and they always have to have side gigs or side hustles. And he was really struggling to get to that. He calls me. He's like, Hey, I got a great idea for a business. Younger brother. He wanted to go into business with me. And we both kind of had that same thing we had been talking about for about a year of, I got to get back. And he said to me, I got a great idea for a business. I was like, what's that? He said, pressure washing. Like that sounds horrible. (laughs) He's like, well, what's your idea? I said, carpet cleaning. He said, that sounds even worse. So we hang up, we keep having these conversations. At the end of 2012, we started an exterior cleaning business. We both still had other jobs. It was difficult to really make that thing move. And I'll say this, everybody's journey is different. I'm going to tell you that I had to burn the boats in order for me to be able to be successful at the new venture. Like I had to literally burn the boats. The thing is somebody else burned them for me. I'll get to that in a second. But if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been able to have the success and the focus because I had something that was just really, really comfortable tying me back. You know, and if you read the story that goes along with burn the boats, the sailor who went without Cuba's blessing, the king of Cuba's blessing to go attack Mexico, didn't tell the people below him who were with him that he didn't have the king's blessing. And they get to the shore and they're looking at this massive army that outnumbers them by 40 times. They find out they don't have the king's blessing and they're like, oh, no, we're going back to our ships. And he's like, no, you know, I'm going to burn the boats. You don't have a choice. And 600 yeah. people defeated 40,000 people. And so I personally have to have that where the boats are burned. That's not everybody's journey, though. That's not everybody's way to success. Some people are wired totally different. So don't take that as meaning you have to do it. But I had to. And so April 15th, 2014 was my burn the boat day. I was fired, terminated by that company. It was the worst thing and the best thing that happened to me on that day. As I can remember, I had like 24 hours of feeling bad for myself. And then I called my brother the next day and said, let's go. 
it's on. We hadn't been able to get much over $150,000 in revenue. I take that back. That year, we hit $150,000 in revenue. 13, we did like 38. We did 38,000 in 2013 in our business, right? We were changing our lives real quick there. But burnt the boats. The boats got burned, I should say. And off we went. Fast forward, August 2018, we sold the business to a private equity company. And I transitioned from that to what we do today is digital marketing, helping home service businesses, which I had started about a year before. But my journey has had all of those pickups and skips along the way of making bad decisions, doing things you shouldn't do, not aligning yourself with the right people, feeling like you don't belong, having a sense of imposter syndrome, having the, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. My journey is fraught with that. And you know, I think it's been in the last two or three years to where I've become really empowered with the purpose of helping other people change their lives. And once I had that as a focus, more than just making money, because making money is great, don't get me wrong. But once I had that as a focus, our business has soared. And there's been some things added to that that has helped it. But defining your passion, defining your purpose helps you to get to where you want to go. And if it's just about money, then it's going to be hard to get there. Agreed. Wow. A lot to unpack there. Great story. I started laughing as soon as you said you jumped into a management training program at a college because I did the same thing. I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. My salary is like 22 grand a year. We're about the same age. So, you know, same thing in the 90s. I thought that was all the money in the world. And my path took a lot longer than you did. But a couple of things I wrote down, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story was, you know, what I kept hearing was, you know, this wasn't easy for you, you know, right? You went through some depression. You also did something that was really critical that I think a lot of people need to look at as you had a mentor in the beginning. You went to someone mm-hmm. who told you what to do. You listened, then you didn't listen. But for right. the most part, you did. This is hard work. I love that. And then, you know, the last thing that you had really, that resonated with me was you just outworked everybody, right? Nobody mm-hmm. else was going to the courthouse. Nobody else was looking through the phone book. I chuckled at that as well because, <laughs> you know, these kids got it easy these days, you know, with the internet. <laughs> right. And, you know, remember when we asked, when we had to go drive somewhere, we had an Atlas. We couldn't use our yeah. cell phones, but. Yeah. Trip ticks with AAA or something like <laughs> that. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But you've got the other important thing that you mentioned, Gary, was you've discovered your passion, you have a vision for the business. And again, money, it's not all about money. You really have to have that. So dive in a little bit further on that piece. And then let's talk about who you help and your business that you have now. Yeah. I mean, I think most business owners, they start out of a couple of different things. One might be they're really, really good at something and they're tired of working for somebody else. So they decide to go do that. Right. Or Maybe they were in a similar situation as me the second time to where they're told they can't work there anymore. So they have to go find something else. But whatever that journey is, and I think you mentioned this before, the big misses that I've always had that I've tried to correct now is not having someone or a group of someone to be able to connect with. Like as people, we have this sense of community and a need for community. My biggest regret probably is that, you know, I try to be that solo guy all the time. And over the past probably year, year and a half, I've opened up 
a lot more to that idea of community. My wife has to constantly kick my butt about it though, because it's not something that's easy for me. Number one, you got to trust people. Number two, you have to be able to kind of submit to someone else and not always be the person that's always right. Hmm. And, you know, number three is you have to be vulnerable. So all three of those things suck <laughs> and are difficult, right? Yeah, yeah. But the more you're able to overcome those things, the better you can grow. We put a cap on ourselves because we're not willing to be around others. I think the hardest thing about business is realizing you don't know everything. And there's somebody out there that does know something and you can go find them and you might have to pay them maybe, but you can go find them to help you keep from making the mistakes that other people make. Like we don't get that. The school of hard knocks thing and being proud of that isn't a good thing. Like it's not good to get your butt kicked to learn something. There's two ways to learn experience and education and education is the easier way to the knowledge, but We get lost in that. And so what I try to do as much as possible is give people information based upon the mistakes I've made, the failures I've made to help them not make that. You know, the biggest shift for me, because I've, I mean, throughout my life, I can go back and look at periods to where, you know, mental health has been a big issue for me. And one of the biggest things for me has been being vulnerable about the places that you've been and the experiences that you went through. Cause here's the thing, you can speak on stage in front of a couple hundred people and 30, 40% of those 50% of those people are going through the same thing or have went through the same thing. I've been in places and I've spoke and the line goes 20, 30, 40 deep, but people want to talk to me to say, I really resonated with me. I was in the same place. And so helping people know, Hey, it's okay to go through that. Here's how we overcome it. Here's what we do to get past it and to give people actionable steps. Like that's what they're looking for. You know, you, you can get up and say buzzwords like, Hey, we're going to help you be successful. We're going to help you achieve your goals. That's all great. But what are the actionable steps that you have to take on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to be able to achieve those? So I try to work with individuals, groups, companies on what those actionable steps are. And it comes down to this, Brian, it's doing the work on whatever the thing is that you got to do the work about and defining it at that level. And then being consistent. One of the best things for me overcoming some mental health issues, because I had to make some promises to my wife. I abide by almost all those promises. She's in listening. She can hear me. So I got to be totally honest about this. And she knows because she'll bust my butt. I abide by most of those promises. The only thing I don't abide by and I have to do is I don't go to the gym and I need to get back to that. But my promises were this. I wouldn't drink by myself ever. If I'm drinking, it's with somebody It's to celebrate. Because drinking was a way for me to try to escape. So I stopped doing that. The other thing, I will write every day. And I write almost every day. I won't lie and say I write every day. But I can say this in the beginning when I did it, the writing changed my perspective and mindset. And it doesn't mean you got to just write about the situation or write about business. Just write. So what I try to do is write 300 words a day. Sometimes it's for business. Sometimes it's just for me. I wrote one book in 2019. I'm trying to write, get to a point to finish a second book. So some of it's about that. But writing is reflection. When you're able to reflect and have inner perspective, you can change things that are changeable. My biggest strengths are overcoming and perseverance when it comes to mind and business. My biggest weaknesses are overcoming and perseverance when it comes to my health. 
totally honest, right? And being able to identify those strengths and weaknesses, and then being able to put action in place that helps you overcome it is when you begin to see success. And that goes back to, okay, who's in your life? You know, what's that community look like? Who are you willing to be vulnerable to? And who are you willing to listen to in terms of being led? And I think if you as an individual, like you're at this crossroads and you really want to make that change and you're kind of afraid to burn the boats, you're kind of afraid to give up the lifestyle that you have. Look, millions of people have been there. They have. And some of those people decided not to do it. Some of those people decided to do it. My challenge to you would be, what's the purpose? What's the why? One of my biggest whys is freedom to be able to spend time with my family and do the things that I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And I think if you can get really granular with some of your whys, you can make that decision on what's best for you. But I think knowing that you can go find people to walk alongside of and do this together takes away the scare, takes away the fear, or helps to eliminate the fear as much as possible to get you there. So my challenge is for people to embrace community and find people that they can be one with in terms of this journey, because it's a tough journey. It is. Man, you're just crushing it here, (laughs) Gary, seriously. I got a page and a half of notes here. I appreciate you being vulnerable, man. And you know, as men, there's a lot of things you said that really resonated with me and a lot of things that you said that I do as well. I appreciate your wife. It's always important. I, I appreciate to have. her too. She's the solid individual in my life. I'll try not to cry right now. That has made me be who I am today. I have a lot of people that count on me and a lot of people that look to me for guidance and leadership. She doesn't get all the credit and the glory, but she's the reason. Love it. Love it. That's great. I really resonate with that. And I think a lot of people who are listening will as well. Vulnerability is huge. I see a counselor, you know, I've been seeing one for three, four years and you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't, I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. It's just, you gotta, it's all about growth, right? You gotta keep pushing. Mm -hmm. You gotta keep, you know, you want your life to change. You gotta do something that you gotta do something different. You gotta get around people who think like you. And that's what you're talking about, you know, mentorship and community and, you know, being able to deal with the adversity really, because it's like you said, it's not easy. It's not mm-hmm. easy. And you've set yourself up to be able to get to this point where, you know, Hey, you can, Hey, this is me, right? Like I'm not as men, you know, for years and years and years, I thought I had everything figured out. I don't know why it's like this. You know, we get out of school. It's like, we have coaches and teachers and mentors our entire lives. We get out of school. It's like, all right, Hey, I'm good. I got it all figured yeah. out. Right. Right. And that kept me stuck in the rat race. And it wasn't until I found mentors and community until things started to change for me. Yeah. It's a powerful thing to be vulnerable. It's also a powerful thing to be led. That is probably my biggest challenge is allowing others to lead me when it comes to that. I feel like I've nailed the vulnerable thing. I had a lot of things I didn't want people to know. And like the last six or seven years, just laying it bare has freed me. It allows you to be able to do things on a level that maybe you weren't able to do before. And I just, to be clear to your listeners, like I haven't got this all figured out. I'm still like learning and trying to become the best version of myself, but I'm also willing to invest in myself. And, you know, that's the other piece of business ownership. The first, you know, 40 ish years of my life, 
I didn't think I needed to invest in myself. I thought, oh, if I read enough books, I'll be good. If I listen to enough motivational stuff, I'll be good. One of the things that I've done in the last year is I'm part of a coaching group that you know I pay five figures a year to be involved in. It puts me in a network of people, but it also puts me in submission to leadership of those people that my business, if you want to look at numbers, because of that, we've doubled our monthly revenue over that last 12 months. I don't give all the credit to that, but I give a lot of the credit to that. Not that they told me something or taught me something, but I became accountable. I became very focused and then learned how to utilize my team the correct way. Like that's what that coaching has taught me. So when you are in business, you know, there's two ways that money leaves your account, an expense or an investment. And I would challenge people to understand like you are the biggest opportunity for investment in your life. In your company, if you have people, they are the biggest opportunity. But when it comes to you, like you have to invest in yourself to be the best version of yourself to be around. And that's not just you know, reading a book. Books are great. I love books. One of our new traditions is when we travel, if we're driving, which we hate driving, but like we're going to the lake this weekend, we'll listen to a book on Audible. And it's usually a biography of someone who's accomplished something or something that is very interesting. Some of our favorite ones, if people are listening, like, what book should I read? Matthew McConaughey has Green Lights Out. It's a great book. John Dorenboss wrote a book called Life is Magic. He was on America's Got Talent, came in third, I think. And his story is incredible. His dad killed his mom when he was 12. And he became the highest paid long snapper in NFL history. And his book is incredible. And then finally, The Maniac, The Crazy Man, David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me is his book. And it's all about mindset. He's the only individual ever went through Hell Week three times in SEALs training <laughs> and completed it. His story is incredible. It's almost unbelievable. It's amazing. His childhood mirrors mine a little bit in terms of abuse that he suffered. But you can see in those three individuals what they endured, what they accomplished, what they overcome to get to where they were. And if you think about just people in general, and I've said this before, somebody's been where you've been. Somebody has went through the struggle you went through and learning from those things are really important. But I think you have to really, really invest back into yourself and be intentional on the investment as much as possible. I think by putting yourself first, putting yourself in that front, you know, if, if you're on a plane and you're listening to the instructions, they always say, put your mask on first. Why? Because you can't help anybody else if you don't. So in your life, are you putting that mask on first? Are you doing the things that you need to do to be the best leader, to be the best husband, to be the best brother, to be the best father, to be the best? Are you doing those things? And, you know, there's always room for opportunity. I have, you know, I'm probably hitting about 10% of 100% right now. I got a ton of room always to be improving. You have to figure out ways to find that improvement. And I always know that somebody has the answer because they went through the problem already. And so I want to find that. Right. That's the easiest path. I mean, it's amazing to me to hear what people will spend their money on and just ignore themselves. You know, mm -hmm. we're so quick to drop 30, 40, 50 grand on a car, but which has no return. 
and not invest in ourselves and pick that apart. I wonder why that is. There's probably a lot of fear associated around that. And maybe, again, you brought up imposter syndrome. You know, I think a lot of people are scared to chase their dreams, but this is just tremendous, Gary, really. I mean, you're dropping a lot of great stuff. And again, I know I'm saying here ad nauseum, I appreciate you being vulnerable. I mean, people need to hear this stuff. Sure. And I could certainly see you speaking and talking like this and having 20, 30, 40, 50 people waiting to speak to you because, you know, we're all human and, you know, life isn't perfect. Life isn't like we presented on social media, you know, we have problems, we have challenges and we need help. We need help from other people, plain and simple, whether it's our families, mentors, community, friends, like we all need that. That's how we're wired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned we were offline that you've finally gotten to this point in your life where you can really start to step away from your business. It doesn't crash, you know, and that's something I think a lot of us aspire to even before we go into business is like, Hey, this is what I want. So maybe talk a little bit about that and how you got there and what that looks like for you and, and your why you said your why is your family, but maybe you could dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the why's for sure. But yeah, the premise of business, we all have these like grander dreams. And if you pay attention to social media ads, like you'll see this, yeah, get a business on autopilot, you know, all these types of claims that are made. Mm-hmm. And let's just be clear. There's not a lot of autopilots going on in most business. I'm not saying that that's impossible, but there has to be some type of action and activity for your business to grow and to be successful. So I've limped through life with businesses, just not understanding the premise of leadership in terms of empowering others. And, you know, when we own the exterior cleaning business, my brain held all the information. And, you know, people that work there would always say, we need to get what's out of here somewhere where everybody can see it. And we never did that. It was a tough six years. It really was. Hmm. And, you know, because we had a team of probably 13, 14 people And it was difficult for everyone to do their job because I knew what we needed to do, but not everybody else did. I knew what the mission statement and vision was, but not everybody else did. I knew what our core values were, go on and on and on. So with my current business, home service, digital marketing company, I mean, Dominate Partners, I started it in November 2017. And right out the gates, we had a small team. Then now we have a larger team, but I'd start it the same way as I'd started everything else. Like I knew what the mission was. I knew what the values were. I knew it, but they didn't. And so last year I started to get really intentional with number one, standard operating procedures so that whoever is doing that task, it can be interchangeable. You know, the success of Ford Motor Company is because Henry Ford created the idea of interchangeable parts. So basically, one part could be used on multiple vehicles. Well, take that to your business, and you don't have to have one person do all the work. You can create a process, and that process can be done by multiple people. And we probably have 80 to 85% of every activity and task that we do in a standard operating procedure, an SOP. And so what does that mean? Well, it's written step-by-step as to what to do. And there's a video. My rule is this. If there's a video longer than three minutes, then the SOP has to be divided into more than one action because people aren't going to listen and watch more than three minutes at a time. So we condense it as much as possible. So everything from 
client onboarding all the way through to the things that we do to write copy and to create digital assets is all in an operating procedure. It's stored in an online cloud drive and it's backed up onto a drive we have. So if I was to get hit by that proverbial bus or someone else was to get hit by that proverbial bus, Dominate Partners lives on, right? But it started all before that with the mission statement. What is the mission statement? And too many times people have a mission statement that is really ambiguous or it's fluffy and don't make any sense. And so I went through three iterations of what our mission statement was because the first two were fluffy and ambiguous and just, come on, that wasn't our Our mission statement is to help as many business owners as possible achieve their version of success. It's that, it's that. Like, I'm not trying, oh, we're going to make people become millionaires. Well, no, we want to help as many business owners as possible achieve their version of success. So that's our mission at Dominate Partners. Now, next to that, we have core values. We have four core values that really define as a company who we are. Number one, we make digital easy. Digital marketing can be difficult to understand. If you're not techie, if you're not great with you know, the online world, it can be difficult. So what we do is we make it easy. So what does that mean? We don't tell you to come to us with all your stuff and we'll figure it out. You don't have it, we build it. You don't know what that is, we show you what it is and we teach you what it is. You have a problem being able to log in or find a login, we help you find it and get it. We make digital easy. Number two, we don't make excuses, we provide solutions. So somebody calls or calls into us, a client, blah, blah, blah. We've had a situation recently that their previous marketing company really screwed up a lot of things. So it would be really easy for us to say, oh, well, that's not our fault. That's so-and-so's fault. We will fix so-and-so's fault. Who's benefiting from that, right? So what we do from that point is, okay, here's what the solution is. And here's how we're going to fix that and keep that from happening in the future. We solve problems. So what we do. And then our third one is something that people miss way too much. And that's we respond same day. Doesn't mean we're going to give you an answer that solves it, but we respond. I hate online when an online company makes something really easy to buy online, but then you want to return it and they make you mail them something or you have to you know, go to an email and you have to email them or whatever it is. Like You have to make communication easy for clients and you have to make it consistent. So if somebody sends us an email or they call us or whatever, we respond same day. And in fact, in the office, I require a response within an hour because people are reaching out. We need to respond. If you're just responding to say, hey, we got your communication, like we know what we, you know, hey, thanks for the communication. We're working on this. I'll be in touch as soon as possible. And then number four, which is the hardest thing for every business owner in the world to get this aligned, but it's my motto. It's my personal motto. And on the back of our company shirts, it says this, production over perfection. Things don't have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're sloppy. It doesn't mean you, you know, put out bad work. It just means if you produce, that's, you're going to crush people that are trying to get it perfect just by producing. I have a good friend of mine who owns a healthcare software company. And he helped me develop that as my personal motto because everything had to be perfect for him. And that guy is stuck at the same annual revenue every single year because he doesn't do anything unless it's perfect. 
And I told him if I was in healthcare software, I would crush you like a bug because I'll produce, I'll produce, I'll produce, and we'll perfect it as we go. And if you have that action in your mind related to business that you'd rather produce than be perfect, you will crush your competition. Those are our core values. And everyone in our company knows that that's how we treat customers and that's how we do activity. Every time we have a meeting, we talk about core values, we discuss the mission. And then if there's a problem that arises, we go back to, okay, where did we miss on our core values? So everybody is thinking about core values. We had the SOPs in place to help us work and perform. And I can leave. We were at the lake early July, July 1st through July 10th. And I did have to handle one customer issue, but the Wi-Fi and the service is garbage. And there wasn't much I was getting done. And it's crazy because July, we're going to end up doing more revenue in July than we did in June. And I have not been in the office half the time. That never, ever happened before. And in fact, this year is the first year that it's happening because of what we put in place with what I call our foundations, our mission statement, our core values, and our SOPs. And so within your business, if you're just starting, if you're in the middle of your business, if you've been doing this a long time, my suggestion is this, make sure your mission statement is defined, make sure you have core values, and it's better to have you know, three, four, or five than a half 50. I know people, man, their core values are, are we honest? Yes, we're honest. Do we treat people, you know, a certain way? Yes, we do that. But these four things are how we go to business every single day. And then have standard operating procedures in place that the people who do the work create for you. I have created no standard operating procedures in our business. None of them. They aren't Gary's SOPs. They are the people that do the work on a daily basis, creating those SOPs so that then they can go and find others in the company that can do those things. I have two account managers and our conversation on a weekly basis is this, what activity did you do this week related to a customer account? And they'll tell me and I'll say, okay, should we have had someone else do that activity? Because their job is to manage the relationship and to make sure stuff gets done not to actually do the stuff. We have copywriters, we have website designers, we have all that. Yeah. And so if they're doing the work, then that means we aren't taking care of our customer. So that conversation is, do we have an SOP on it? Okay, we do. Great. Why isn't somebody else doing that? If we don't have an SOP, they know, okay, yeah, I got to do an SOP or I got to make the SOP better. And those conversations with your team help to push that along to where you can work on, because you hear this all the time, you know, work on your business, not in your business. You can work on growing your business, becoming strategic and doing the things necessary to build your team if you have everybody on the same path of taking care of clients. Love it. Love it. Yep. Imperfect action. I love that part, production over perfection. And my business, my real estate business, until I define mission, purpose, values, and we have standard operating procedures for everything, and my employees do that. They record all the steps. Yep. You know, I remember, I'll just give it a quick example because you've given some. One of my employees was out with a death in the family and what she did on a daily basis. I couldn't do it. I taught her how to do it. I had to go watch the video to be able to redo it. So it was just super important that that was in place. Yeah, great stuff. Gary, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about you and to work with you? Yeah, yeah. So the best place really to find me is on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 
Gary Guyman, G-A-R-Y-G-E-I-M-A-N. It's my personal Facebook page. That's where I communicate the most. You can find out if I'm really truly authentic about what I'm saying. And you can find out about my family, our boat, my grandchild, like all that stuff on there. But you also can see a lot of stuff we post about our business and what we're doing to help others. And look, if you own a home service business or a professional services business, we focus heavily on being found online. So search marketing, Google Maps, STO, Google Ads, those types of things. We develop some software and things that can help automate that. I believe that marketing has three opportunities, either automate, delegate, or innovate. And we work hard to help companies achieve those things because if you can't automate, delegate, or innovate, as I say, you can't dominate. And we look for strategies and ways for you to be found. And we also help you be present. Present is social media, being consistent and constant on social media. It's not always about spending dollars. It's about doing the right things at the right time to the right people. And those are the things we focus on within the business. We can also help fix your processes related to sales and marketing to help you be able to do lead capture, to help you be able to close more clients and to make more money. Because at the end of the day, it's all about making money when it comes to your business so you can help as many people as possible. It's hard to make an impact if you're broke. It's hard to make an impact in your community if you're not making money. So if we can help you achieve success, then you can go on to impact your community, impact your team, and impact others in your life. So Check me out on Facebook, send me a DM, whatever, and love to talk to you about your business and what we can do to help you be successful. We'll leave that in the show notes. I encourage all of you to get in touch with Gary and check out his stuff because you know what you're hearing. This is one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done on my own show or any other show. So I really just appreciate everything that you've shared today. You've done a lot of sharing. Yeah, yeah. Now, listen, before we wrap up, Anything I didn't ask you, any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners today? This has been tremendous. Thanks. I mean, the only thing I would say is this, don't give up on your dreams, but create actionable items that you can follow to achieve those dreams. Having a dream is great. If you don't have a dream, it's tough to look past each day, but you have to take action to be able to achieve those dreams. You want to be the most wealthiest man alive, most wealthiest woman alive, it starts with an action. However that dream is or however big that dream is, it starts with action. So do action and find people that you can be in community with to help you dominate your day. It's really simple. Don't need to overcomplicate it. All right, Gary, thanks again, man. Really wonderful having you on today. And I hope everyone has an excellent day. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 Prison Break. Here's to you busting out.